My parents didn't really know what to do with me. I was loud and outspoken and opinionated. I take up a lot of space and I have big feelings and big dreams. My parents are not that way. And so it was always a message of, you're too much. You need to be quieter. You need to be seen, not heard. You need to wait your turn. You need to like just literally take up less space. This is episode number 32 with Mother Hustler and confidence consultant, Kim Ludeman. Hey mamas, welcome to the Being Mother Hustler podcast. I'm your host, Mother Hustler, Kareen Mills. I'm a mama of two boys, founder of a tribe called Mother Hustler Nation, co-founder of the Game Changers Global Network, an insurance professional turned lifestyle entrepreneur, keynote speaker, and author. Each and every week, I'm bringing you stories and thoughts from mom entrepreneurs who will inspire you to take massive, imperfect action, unapologetically chase your dreams, and eradicate your excuses so you can quit treating your business like a hobby and turn your side hustle into full-time income. I know being mother hustler is not easy, but sisters, we are making it happen even in this beautiful mess. Thank you so much for being present with me today. Now let's go mother the world. Kim Ludeman is a confidence consultant who helps women overcome confidence blockers so they can embrace their true self and show up confidently in their life. She is the voice behind the Captivatingly Confident podcast, which I have been on episode 30. She runs the Captivatingly Confident Facebook group and hosts quarterly small group experiences to get women on the path to feeling confident. She loves helping women step into their power so they can show up confidently in their life and business. She's also the Portland chapter leader for The Mob. That's mom-owned business, networking group. Kim has been in the health and fitness industry for over 10 years, working as a personal trainer and nutrition coach. She lives in Portland, Oregon with her husband, Tim, and four-year-old son, Louis. You can usually find her hiking in the gorge, cooking in the kitchen, or thrift store shopping. Mamas, please help me in welcoming the mother hustler, mothering the world this week, Kim Ludman. Welcome, everybody. This is Kareen Mills in the Kareen Mills podcast, Mothering the World with One Mother Hustler at a Time. We have the wonderful Kim Ludman on our podcast today, and she's going to share her journey and tell us all about it. Kim, welcome. Thank you so much. I'm so excited to be here. Awesome. Well, hey, I'm just going to get right into it. 
um, because I know the last time we've spoken, we had so much to talk about. <laughs> so much. We and didn't even get to like a fraction of it, I feel like. Yes, you know, we can always do more. Um, but today is my turn <laughs> and I get to drill you based on your exciting journey with, you know, what you had to do through, I'm sure you have adversities just like every single one of us. And the goal and the mission of the podcast here is to validate other moms like you and me, because we could be the best at what we do, but we have our days. And sometimes we just want to throw in the towel yes. and quit. And um, I always say you can quit temporarily, but pick it back up and, and, and go. And the other half mission, half of the mission is to evaluate moms because moms, we do so much in our responsibility and no, well, I wouldn't say nobody values us, but I don't think we're valued enough. And I love how we are empowering each other and really just supporting each other. So there's women empowering women and then there's mom empowering moms. And I love the recent um, hashtag that I, that I noticed called mom empowering children. So oh. yeah, well, oh. welcome. Can I write that? Hold on. I gotta write that. <laughs> she's all about her notes too, which is so amazing because she's so organized. Oh my gosh. No, it's not. It's post-its. I live, I run on post-its. <laughs> you must be a mother hustler. <gasps> hey now. Maybe. I saw on Instagram, I think it was yesterday, Brene Brown posted this picture of a, of a chalkboard that says, I will not buy office supplies. I will not buy office supplies. <laughs> And I resonated. It's like, I seriously live on post-it notes and pens. I, and they have a short, like, shelf life. They disappear. Yes. I don't know where all my pens go, but I have Super lots. cool. So tell us where you grew up and how was your childhood? Because I always love to showcase the childhood part only because I think a lot of the molding process of who we become starts there and I love hearing people's childhood and how their parents raised them and what it was that they think they could credit to who they're becoming today. Ooh, fun. Okay. Well, I was born in Sacramento, California mm. and we lived in a little town called Rockland, California. And I'm an only child. So that that shaped me in a lot of different ways. And so my childhood was, it was actually pretty rough looking mm. back on it. Not in the typical sense of like, I got in fights and I had a bad attitude, like that wasn't it. It was rough in the sense that my parents didn't really know what to do with me. <laughs> they, they didn't. I was loud and outspoken and opinionated and I take up a lot of space and I have big feelings and big dreams and my parents were not that way. And so it was always a message of you're too much. Like you need to be quieter. You need to be seen, not heard. You need to wait your turn. You need to like just 
literally take up less space. Wow. I know, right? <laughs> and my parents weren't bad people. Not at all. I mean, and if anything, being a parent myself has given me such a whole new appreciation for the struggle because it's real. Nobody yeah. knows what they're doing in parenting. Right? That's true. There's no training for it. No. And even if there was, it's, it's so different for each kid. Mm -hmm. So it's like we have parenting experts, but really the best expert is you, you know, and it's, I think that's something that we don't attribute to ourselves very often because we do, we feel like we struggle. So at least, <laughs> at least I do. I feel like I struggle, but you know, we are, we are our best resource. Yeah. So, so with that struggle of always being like, I feel like what you're telling me is that you are not allowed to be yourself. Is that how you felt? I think as a kid, I didn't really, I don't know, I'm sure I internalized it in a lot of different ways. One of the ones looking back now that I can see is I had a real, really bad sugar addiction. Wow. I mean, I would hide candy in my room. I would hide Pop-Tarts in my dollhouse. <laughs> like I would come home from school and just, go into the pantry and put frosting on graham crackers. And I would put like sugar in my cereal. I mean, I am shocked I'm alive. It was so bad. And then looking back, I think I felt the anxiety of my parents making me smaller. And that was, that wasn't just my parents. That was family. That was friends. That was teachers. Teachers were a huge one. And all that pressure to be less and to be smaller, to be, I used to call it meek and mild when I was growing up. Wow. Like I don't be meek and mild. That needs to be me. I'm going to embody meekness and mildness. And I think that pressure led to emotional eating. Even as a kid, like I, I remember this, this struggle starting at like five or six, like as soon as I could make my own food, that's when it started. So it was wow. really, yeah, it was really hard. How did you handle being told to be meek and mild um, with your societal interaction, with your interaction with people and friends? Did you tone down when you got home or when you're around family and then you're back to being Kim outside of that? I think... That's a really good question. I think I toned it down all the time. Wow. And there would be moments where I would come out and then it would just be like, nope, you got to put it back in the box. Like you have to, sorry, UPS is here. <laughs> you have to make yourself small. You just have to. And it wasn't until I would say maybe college wow. when my parents weren't around anymore and my life changed dramatically that I was able to start looking at, well, who the heck am I? What, you know, is it okay for me to start being myself? And what does that even look like? I don't even know. Wow. Yeah. And what did you do from, from questioning? Because it's really a difficult, I call it a pocket, when you're questioning something about yourself. Um, and when you're in that pocket, it's very difficult to look beyond the pocket. It's frustrating. How did you 
I'm guessing as a young adult, or maybe even you're still a teenager around the transition from high school to college, which is such a prime, scary, you know, journey in our life when we're teenagers, because we could be very sensitive. And, you know, a lot of, a lot of the unfortunate things that happen, like suicide and all those other depression happens in those teenage years, because your identity is being questioned by not by other people, but by yourself, which is even more dramatic and more difficult, because now you're left with yourself to answer that question when growing up, somebody's telling you, you need to be mild, you need to be this, you need to be that. But now that you don't have anybody telling you that, like how was like the whole process of who am I? How did you handle that? Well, I kind of got a rough shove into it. So when I turned 19, my mom passed away from cancer. Mm. And she had battled uterine and ovarian cancer for almost two years. And she lost that battle right before I was scheduled to go back to college for my sophomore year. So it was kind of, it was like this huge, I mean, obviously huge transition for me, uh, losing pretty much the structure of my family and my childhood and being kind of thrust into adult mode. So it was like growing up really quick. So just had to do a lot of searching and it took me a really, really long time. I'll be honest with you, (laughs) which is part of my heart and passion now is how can I help people shortcut this process? Because it took me, I'm going to say the better part of a decade to really process through what had happened in my childhood, how it affected me and how it shaped me into somebody that I didn't want to be. I don't want to take up less space. Like I want to step into the fullness of my personality and the fullness of who I've been created to be, because that's where I find the most satisfaction. That's when I'm happiest. Yeah. And it just giving myself permission to do that. It took years and I'm pretty sure I financed like my therapist's boat. (laughs) (laughs) for the years that I spent in therapy it did it took me a while because it's hard to overcome those messages it's it's so hard to do yeah you know probably replay it in your mind you know you take up too much space but Mm -hmm. my question to you is when you were told you take up too much space do you ever question if you did because maybe you were just being yourself And maybe that's how they perceived it as. But for you, by being yourself, you're actually allowing space to get bigger because then people can start getting to know the real you that's been crying inside to be the real person, to show up as the real you. But you're being, it's almost like a lid of a bottle. You're being put a lid like, People were putting a lid so that you don't blow out of proportion or something like that because you have this big personality. Yeah. And it's still, it's still something that I struggle with at times as far as, especially my emotional response to things. I'm very Mm -hmm. sensitive. I'm very sensitive. There are a lot of things that 
you know, send me <laughs> through the roof. Sometimes I get really angry and sometimes I get really sad. And my husband is the exact opposite. He is Captain Steady Pants. And <laughs> he does not get rocked. He does not get emotional. He is so like even Steven. And I'm over here like all over the place. And so even in my marriage, it's been really challenging to not keep the lid. I love that. Not keep the lid on. Mm-hmm. And, like make it smaller to be more like acceptable to my husband, to, you know, my community and to other entrepreneurs, you know, it's, it's a, it's, I want to let it out. I don't even think that answers your question either. Yeah, no, it does. You Sorry. should let it out. Well, the question has a, like, have you ever questioned in, in the childhood going through those childhood trenches, if you may, when people told you you took too much space, it's kind of like for a child almost, it's like, what space are you talking about? You know, Mm -hmm. I guess as a child, I was just really, I always questioned people and people hated that with Mm. like with all of my questions because I'm, I was curious when people say something like, okay, what space are you talking about? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. I was never a questioner at all. Like if wow. my parents said something, I did it. Like I didn't drink till I was 21. I didn't start dating until college. I got great grades in school. I was, you know, model child because if my parents said it, I did it. And so I took their word for everything. And so when influencers and adult figures, authority figures said, you know, you're too much. I believed it. Wow. You, you must be right. I, yeah. I'm too much. That's amazing. How do you parent now? Because, you know, obviously I always like, there's a lot of ways that my parents or my mom, I should say that, that did that I do now, but there's also certain things that I'm like, I'm never doing that to my kids. You know, mm-hmm. like, how do you, apply that to your own parenting now that you're you're a mom and you're in that position you know you're on the other side on the flip side of now you're raising this little baby little child and getting them out to the world and the hopes that they don't think that they're too much for whatever space the adults say that they are you know yeah and that's you know especially because i have an only child So I feel like I know what to do for him. You know, that he needs to be, you know, around other kids and that he, he has my, like, I call it a superpower with him. (laughs) Like you have superpowers. You are such a good hearer and you can see things so well and you can smell things so good because he's just, he's super sensory like I am. Mm -hmm. And my parents didn't know what to do with that. But on the flip side now, I know what to do with that. And so instead of making him feel bad for having big feelings and a big heart, it can actually like lift that up in him and be like, you are, you know, you're incredible. Like you have this heart, you know, here's what we do with our big feelings. And here's how we help other people with our big feelings. And Daniel Tiger, surprisingly enough, I don't know if your kiddos watch Daniel Tiger. Mm-mm. Do they? No? Oh, Daniel Tiger is cartoon version of Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood. 
Oh, wow. And it has been incredible. He started watching when he was about two, two and a half, and he's four now. And it's incredible. His sense of empathy and his verbal processing of things and his memory. And, you know, he sings these different songs to help him, like, manage his emotions. It's beautiful. I mean, I wish I wish I had had that as a kid. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's awesome. Because I think a lot of, like, for my kids, I always tell them you could be whoever you want to be. There's enough space for your personality and don't matter what people think about you. What matters is what you think about yourself. Exactly. Um, yes. Because that's kind of how I was raised too in a culture where, you know, there's a lot of limitations. You could, you have to be a certain this and a certain that you have to be, like there's so, I guess not limitations, but more like so many rules. Or expectations. And or expectations. And I, and I don't like rules and I don't like expectations. And for someone to always question everything, like I was such an annoying child because I questioned everything. Mm. So I try to allow my kids that space to always question everything yeah. and not have like, Cause I used like, there were certain times in my childhood where I was scared to ask the question because I was scared to get in trouble. But then there's something inside of me that's also stronger force that says, go ask the question because everybody else is thinking it. You just huh. need to be the one to ask it. <laughs> yeah. Cause sometimes that. that's what happens, you know, like, have you ever been in a group setting where Somebody asked a question and, and you're like, whoa, that's like, I'm so glad you asked that question because it's the same question that I have. Yeah. So yeah. just living authentically of who you are and stepping into who you're becoming, whoever you want to become and allow your children that space. Because I think that when we limit them, that's how we condition their brain to have all those limiting beliefs, right? Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I love that you give your kids the space <clears throat> to ask the questions. You know, I think kids get put down for asking questions and asking why. And it's like, well, because I said so. And I definitely mm -hmm. say that every now and then. Me too. I do. I'm not above that answer. But I try to answer as many questions as possible because they have such a curiosity and such a curious spirit. And I feel like as adults, we lose that curious spirit. And then it's like, we just have no curiosity anymore and we don't ask questions. And so then we're almost afraid to ask questions as adults. So I think it's sure. so great that you're like the opposite and that you do question. I think that's yeah. amazing. Well, what I am trying to do is allowing my kids to be like me instead of being like adults used to get so annoyed by me and they shut down. So I'm allowing them to have what I was always denied of, but it was also, I was denied of, but I also did not take it. Like I, I, I acknowledged that they didn't like it, but I did it anyways type thing. So I'm allowing them to do it anyways, regardless of what anybody thinks, as long as they're not breaking the law, 
as long as they're not doing anything bad or hurting anybody, you know, like I am allowing them to see that I'm not annoyed by them. If that makes sense. That's huge. That is definitely a mom struggle that I have is, you know, not being annoyed and not treating him like he's an inconvenience to me. That's a big struggle. I'm so glad that you are just like on top of that. It's, it's normal, but you can practice it. You know, it's normal progression for, especially you and your mom. Are you having another child? I don't know. Huh. It's like, You're it's so young. It's so hard though, because being an only child is all I know. Mm. And I look at moms of multiples and I'm like, I don't know how you do that. I'm barely surviving with one. <laughs> Thriving is my goal. Surviving is my reality. Like, wow, that's incredible. And, you know, I hear all different sides of it, but it's, it's hard. It's one of those decisions that I've gone back and forth on so much in the last four years. So much. Because mm. I struggled with postpartum depression mm, that actually yeah. didn't start until my son was seven months old. And... Obviously, I, I did some really stupid things like working two jobs with a newborn. Like, that's not smart. Don't do <laughs> like having my house immaculate, cooking three meals a day, doing dishes, laundry, like being on top of everything, thinking I was superwoman. And then seven months in, I crashed. And I guess I'm just really like <gasps> hesitant. Yeah. Yeah. Fear to go through that again because it's not a fun stage to go through. Um, it's hard to be a new mom. I remember I, um, it's a struggle. I struggled, but I think when you get to the second one, it's like, Oh, I've done this before. I can do this again, you know, yeah. and they have a playmate. So it's actually easier when they have a playmate, but talk us through how you became a confidence consultant, confidence consultant, because you were going through your childhood progressing into questioning who am I and then took you about a decade to actually realize who you are so take us through how did you stumble upon who you're who you are now yeah it's a great question so I am a hashtag a slow learner which is probably why it took so long <laughs> but the whole process has led me here you know I have to believe in just like divine timing because mm -hmm. it's just worked out this way. So after college, because I had struggled with my weight as a result of the sugar addiction that I had. Mm -hmm. And I started after college working at Costco and I got super fit. I mean, pushing those giant carts at Costco, you know, huge, right? And sprinting to the back of the store and picking up boxes. And I realized that I was actually really strong. I was like, what? I'm strong. Like I can do things that are physical because I'd never been physical in my entire life. And so I started working out at the gym and wow. taking classes and I had a personal trainer and I loved it. And I was obsessed. <laughs> I started running and then I started looking at my nutrient intake and I started restricting calories and I started limiting foods and it became this obsession with seeing how far I could push the envelope. How small could I make myself? Which went perfectly with what I was doing with my personality. Just how small can I get? 
how's how little can I take up even physically and you know I I did that I got really small and you know didn't express my needs to anybody and I got just trapped so I just exploded out of that into figuring out okay well what 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 does it look like to be healthy I've never had this modeled for me I have no idea what it looks like I don't think I've ever eaten a quote, healthy meal in my life. Wow. What does this look like? So then I got certified as a personal trainer and started helping people realize how strong they were. Because I'm like, if I can do this, this amazing thing, so can so many other people. You just need somebody to show you how to do it. Mm-hmm. So after doing that and kind of going on my own nutrition journey, I started to see how much is dependent on your food intake. And so I became a nutrition coach. Sorry, my electric blanket is real hot. Um, (laughs) It is cold. (laughs) It's freezing and I have a blanket, but it's too hot now. Um, Yeah, so I got certified to be a nutrition coach. So I was doing personal training and nutrition coaching, helping people manipulate their macronutrients so they could change their body composition to what they wanted and get stronger. And, you know, I had all these great intentions. Was this before you were a mom? This was after. 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 Yeah. Um, and how, yeah, these great intentions. And, you know, I had a steady stream of clients coming in. And it was about, I'm going to say, five or six years into this when it kind of hit me upside the head of, of how much the change has nothing to do with the physical. It has mm-hmm. nothing to do with it. And again, slow learner, it took me a while to figure this out that when women came to me and said, I just need to lose X number of pounds, that's all I need to do. Mm -hmm. Or just tell me what to eat and I'll eat it, I'll do it. And I just need a meal plan or I just need a workout program. And it took me so long to realize that that's not what they really wanted. That's what they thought they wanted and definitely not what they needed Mm -hmm. at all. So I started to kind of address that middle space and challenge and push back on, well, why do you think you'll be happier X number of pounds from now? What's stopping you from being happy right now? And as I started asking more and more of those questions, it was incredible the answers that I got. And it was like this addicting conversation that I just wanted to have all the time. And so I started following that and it's led me here to confidence coaching and helping women uncover what's holding them back from being their true self so that they can start taking up space in their life. Wow. That's, that's magnificent from being an addict for sugar to becoming a confidence coach because in Portland, um, you know, I think it, it was, no, I would say yes and no. Yes, because I think at the time I was a little bit spiritual, like I was dabbling with Taoism and uh, meditating a little Ooh. bit. And so one thing that I did is after my divorce is I started meditating. And um, that's when life fully, fully changed for me. I actually had a spiritual awakening. And wow. it was at that point where, I, like, I felt like it was a near-death experience just through meditation. 
And at that, at that moment, I never saw life the same. And you know, the, the blessing of my career as a nurse is I have always seen life in a very precious form. Like it's about the love mm. you give, it's about the love you receive more than anything. That's to me was always my drive, not money. But um, it was at that point that I realized we're all spiritual beings and that um, in this moment of awakening, it was everything after was like I had a near-death experience. And I read stories about near-death experiences because everyone who went through it went through what I went through, which is seeing life in the most beautiful light and more love than you can ever imagine. And so it was, that was the part where it's like you, like connecting on a deeper level and to me with spirituality was the turning point. And so when I, yeah, the six months when I first moved here was a taste of this person in me that had dreams and had these desires. And I, you know, I wanted to move to France and I wanted to be an airline stewardess and wow. I wanted to travel the world. And I did travel a lot, my ex-husband, I traveled a lot. So I'm grateful for that. Um, and I'm grateful for where my life has led me for sure. But it is um, that turning point, it was my spirituality. And by Amazing. Yeah. Taoism. Love it. Mm -hmm. You um and RIP to Wayne Dyer. Did you used to like oh, learn know. from he's oh, like yeah. he's like my guru. I know. I, I've seen him a couple of times. When I saw him, I was like, ah, she's kind of rambles like a grandpa, but like <laughs> he is like a grandpa. It's like I feel like Wayne Dyer is my grandpa. I know, but like I listen to his stuff on YouTube all the time, like, oh my gosh, I love love what he says like it so resonates with me have you watched his movie the shift yes so good oh yeah no matter how many times i watch that movie i just like ball i know because because i can't believe that it was like happening in front of me before i was awakened that i didn't even notice it because i was led in in the most wrongful way the way like i was following a wrong spirit right and it's, it just makes me so happy when I watch, it's like tears of joy when I watch that movie. And I recommend it to every single person that's in that pocket. Like we talked about that pocket of confusion, whether letting go or not, and afraid of what's unknown and what's on the other side. And I always tell them, if you're in that pocket, watch this movie don't watch it when your kids are running around and you're super like multitasking. I want you to watch it when you are, when everybody's asleep and you only have yourself mm -hmm. and when it's quiet and like literally when people do it, the way that I explained to them, they like come back to me and said, and say like, thank you for recommending that because I think that's just how humans operate, you know, like the first half of the movie, it showcases all the things that we do as humans without even noticing, mm -hmm. like the, the really things that like things that really truly matters. Yeah. And so that's what happened after my awakening is I become really aware that I was the creator of my reality, that I was mm -hmm. responsible for my life. And and in many ways that made me extremely giddy because I'm like, oh my gosh, I, I can create anything. But then there's also like, oh, I created that. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but it was, it was in that though that it helped me recover and heal from my pain. So the thing is people are so afraid of getting deep. You know, I became a certified soul coach after my awakening because I wanted mm. to know me. 
I wanted to know me. When I meditated, I would say, I just, you know, please show the real me. I just want to know me because I lived in denial land for so wow. long. And um, I didn't want to face myself. I, I really needed that, that spiritual part of me to hold me while I saw myself with unconditional love. You, yeah, you, um, so I, you really truly become an observer of your own self when you are so awakened, you can literally almost like remove your soul from your body when you're so awakened, when you're meditating and like, look at your body. I don't know how to explain it exactly, but it just gives me like chills. So my up my spine when I talk about it, because I'm like, so aligned with you right there that I can literally keep, this whole podcast going talking about the spirituality of things my favorite subject (laughs) Mm -hmm. what kind of rn were you michelle so i did uh, i worked at uh, a big hospital here in portland um intermediate care so we i was a full-time charge nurse for nine years and worked nights isn't that crazy wow um and i loved it though i worked with a lot of respiratory failure heart failure worked with a lot of patients with cystic fibrosis and Mm. die young um, so I really had a fascination with the dying, actually. And even in nursing school, I knew I wanted to be a hospice nurse. So um, then the last two years of, as I was a nurse, I worked in hospice. And that was really what truly shifted me to follow my dream, which is what I'm doing now. And it, because I saw that life is limited, I saw that people suffer. It's just depending on our conversation. And I don't really much have like a structure or anything i like to just get to know the person i'm interviewing with and really going with the flow so i I do have um a couple more questions for you do you read any personal development books is there anybody that you follow as a thought leader that really inspires you on social media um recently i just started following gary v (laughs) yes i follow gary he's pretty blunt (laughs) very blunt um just recently though it was interesting one of my closest friends that i actually connected with on ig and we ended up meeting out in california and doing a few workouts together she um connected me with his page and i thought you know as much as it's blunt i think it speaks to um, many entrepreneurs because Mm -hmm. you go through a lot of those ups and downs you question you know all the time you're putting into it and you coming back to i think the post today was all about it being about gratitude and it being about it's making you happy, not about it being the number one thing, making money. I thought that's a, that's a really great message. That's, where I, that's how it started. And I think you have to remind yourself of those things along the way. So that's the first one that comes to mind. But yes, Blunt. <laughs> oh, yeah. He has a wonderful story, though. Yes, I agree. Do you read any books at all? Personal development, spiritual things, things of that um, nature? Lately, I've been focusing a lot on DR, diastasis recti, um, focusing on postnatal, actually pre and postnatal um, effects of the ab separation. I don't know if that's something you ever experienced in your pregnancies, but it's really common for a lot of moms. And so I've been doing a lot of reading on that because I get questions almost daily on exercises that are for that. Trying to connect better with moms and making things, as much as I like to make things fun, Mm -hmm. I think 
what's also great is coming back to the education piece of um, remembering that there are some foundations that need to be built here, especially for moms that are just starting with fitness. So making it accessible at even the beginner levels. So I've been reading up a lot on educating more on how to get DR exercises across to my community. Right. So um, you look really good and I commend you and, I, and, and give you kudos for looking good, right? For having four children and I'm not sure how old you are, but you never asked a lady how old they are, right? <laughs> um, you're 42? Yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh, girlfriend, you look amazing. Oh, you. you put me to shame. I'm, I'm going to be 39 next month. Actually, this is me, right? So well, you look amazing too. Thank <laughs> you. On the other side. <laughs> thank you. So I see your workout, right? And, and I see that in slivers of time, you insert working out um, into your daily routine with either your kids or your household chores, etc. Do you have a specific uh, dietary requirement because I don't see you posting about food right and I think that's sometimes I because I follow fitness other fitness people on Instagram and um, we we tend to show how how good we look but we don't see the dietary requirement that because I think it has to do also with diet and they work hand in hand with your workout do you have any dietary discipline that you follow or is there any advice you can give to moms so yeah so i do share um, more of my food on my stories so it can be found um mm. i share some of my meals throughout the day or different meal ideas uh, especially dinners i mean but for me I, again motherhood has made me really reflect on my diet as well besides just fitness motherhood and wanting my kids to really eat healthy as well and mm -hmm. I, the biggest thing um, that i've loved doing with them is eating a rainbow at every meal as much as possible and mm -hmm. one that's catchy for kids and they love the idea of making their plate look pretty but the idea of getting a mixed vegetable mixed um, fruit so having some peppers and strawberries and last night broccoli on the plate along with your protein along with the couscous for the grain so really filling that plate with a variety but also balancing it with the proteins and the whole grains that you need so um, I think that's really worked well and also just making sure you eat throughout the day I think a lot of people like to restrict for me I'm somebody that likes and needs to eat every few hours so having a breakfast every morning having a snack as well as a lunch a snack again and dinner to keep yourself fueled and fueled well so that you don't make it to the end of the day and I think so many of us have experienced this where you haven't eaten enough and then suddenly that chocolate or whatever choice is in the fridge is really looking tempting because you're not you haven't <laughs> throughout the day so, and of course, balance is a part of it. It's not 100% only healthy choices. You know, we, we had the ice cream over the weekend and mm -hmm. I'm sure you enjoy it. But yes, definitely, I would say number one, filling the plate with the rainbow and keeping the meals balanced. That's, that's awesome because it's really hard to like not having carbs or, you know, like just 
the restrictive diet. You know what I'm saying? I have, I have tried those in the past. And for me, it's not something I think it really goes hand in hand with my fitness philosophy. It's not extreme. I, but I feel like it needs to be something you can be consistent with and really think long-term. It's not a, a diet, it's a lifestyle. So if you're starting this, are you going to be able to maintain it weeks from mm. now, months from now? If not, does it make the most sense? And for me, I'd like it to be more practical. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I think that like people tend to give up when it's really difficult, you know? So true. And even, even something with just a workout program of really being passionate about it in the beginning and then feeling like, oh, if you miss one day, you're done. So I think, again, it's realizing, no, you can, you can slide backwards and get back on there. And that happens to everybody. Yeah. Yeah. So tell us about your mission about, um, finding the athlete in every parent. So I, I, I played soccer when I was in high school. So I'm really strong in my lower body, but I have a struggle with my upper body. Yes, um, I, that. I was a big swimmer and runner, and I always find that I favor my lower body as well, um, which is why I'm always trying to balance it out with pull-ups and hang workouts, all sorts of things. But as far as finding the athlete in every parent, so um, when we were living in Kyrgyzstan and we had three boys, three and under, it was a very crazy time. Every morning, I would be going from room to room, getting everybody ready, my oldest for preschool, and just starting the day, nursing my baby, finding a lost sippy cup, changing a diaper, you name it, the craziness in the morning. And every day, I would lose my coffee along the way. And if I started saying to my youngest, as I'm walking around nursing, baby, where's my coffee? And it just became like this running joke with my husband and I. And I thought, you know, the kind of, it just stuck. Because one, I didn't drink coffee until I had kids. I had a little, I never loved it. I never needed it. And then I had my first and I suddenly was like, I need to try that coffee again. <laughs> <laughs> and it worked. So I felt like one, it symbolized, you know, the need for coffee when you have a family and also the, the need for a sense of humor to get through the chaos of raising a family. I mean, there's mm. chaos. And so... Then I thought, okay, so it became BWMC Fitness, Baby Where's My Coffee Fitness. Oh my gosh, seriously? Yeah. That's what it stands for? <laughs> the boys' names and it's not. That's the name behind it. And so, um, and then with the mission of finding the athlete and every parent, of course, a lot of my community is not, all of them are parents and I love that. But that the goal is that what made me start this is because of how challenging it was for me as a parent to stay active. And I'm somebody who was already very active and passionate about it and really wanting to help them. Because for me, even those little workouts have made a difference in my strength. I mean, I think the biggest thing when I started my fitness journey, I really wanted to get my body back. And I think a lot of parents feel that way. A lot of moms, they want to get back into those jeans that they're wearing. There's nothing wrong with that. That's a great motivator. But then it became, you know what? That's not enough. It's mm. great that I can fit into them now, but I want to feel stronger. I want to have more energy. Right. And a big piece of is happiness because you think about, I want to be a happy mom for my boys. And what makes me happy? Well, giving something back to myself, making time for me. I feel better even if I just do 10 minutes of something. I instantly feel a boost. So again, going back to 
if it's worked for me, I want, it, I want to show other parents and say, hey, it's possible and you can feel better about what you're doing. And that kind of spreads to everything else. Once mm -hmm. you feel better about you, you can do a better job with your family, your work, you name it. It affects everything. It really does. And just getting more patience in the day, you know, because as the day wears on, you get tired. But if you've made time for you, you can be a little more patient with bedtime. <laughs> yes, I know. <laughs> I know. Even just like the simple taking a nap thing really make, like gives me a boost, a 20-minute nap. I don't know if you do that practice, but I do a lot of uh, one or two naps during my day. That's fantastic. Even two, I haven't experimented with two, but my youngest still takes a nap. And so um, when he goes down, I'll usually try to get a lot of work done. And then I'll, a lot of days I'll try to take just a really quick one, even if it's just like a few minutes, like you said, I think there's so much power behind that. Mm. Better. Wow. This has been an amazing uh, interview with you because I had not met and, and you know, the name of the podcast is called Mother Hustler. And it goes from mother first before hustler because hustler is such a street word for working and working hard. <clears throat> and I think when you add mother to the mix, it just makes it so like, so almost impossible for a lot of people to have mother as a number one priority and at the same time, building a career or a business side-by-side -side motherhood. And, and I really, I embody that. And I wanted to interview people like yourself that embodies that as well, because the message that I'm trying to send to women and other mothers out there is that it can be done and there's a way and there's a better way, right? Um, to raise your children instead of having your children go to daycare. And yes, we put them to school, but it's that, it's that interaction between parents after school because they say that we are their best teacher and it starts at home. And I truly believe that because when I was growing up, you know, my mom raised me and my grandma raised me. And although my dad was a little bit more of an absentee dad because he had his own issues to deal with that by my mom being there and my grandma being there we turned out pretty okay right and so i think it's important to raise your own children and i know that it can be a challenge to um think of indirectly that you know i need to make a lot of money so that i can provide for my kids but then what happens if you work 16 hour days and you're not able to drop everything to go tend to your children when they're in a mess when they have, um, even not in the mess, like when they have events at school to be able to be there for them. And I think kids really track those things, you know? They keep an eye on those things. And as much as we think as an adult that we think that money makes them happy or, or even when, I mean, replace ourselves with money and things and Xbox and, you know, things we think that that's okay but it really isn't and I'm finding that myself when I let go of my insurance agency when I took over my life and I literally had to take my kids after school and put them in the back and give them an iPad which looking back I you know I didn't realize that that was not what I wanted to do to give to my kids I wanted to give them more 
of a richer experience with me because I, everything that my mother has ever done to me, I remember like a lot of details and I appreciate it. Completely. I have some of the fondest memories I have, if you think about your childhood, it doesn't, for me, it's not um, an item or something that costs a lot of money. It was really the time. Like I, and funny enough, when I, I try to make these um, workouts that are family-based, a lot of it I did learn from my own family. And my father would take us out on these like practice triathlons, not a real one, but a pretend one. Let, let's go bike, let's run, and then go to the pool in the neighborhood. And um, I have great memories of that. And it's just really quality time together. Mm -hmm. And probably was his way of trying to get a workout in too. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, probably. <laughs> you know, you, from, from the get-go, I think we are being taught something, whether they thought they, whether parents think they're, they don't want to teach that because kids are like sponges, that their brain just absorbs everything. So true. You know? So before I end our podcast and our interview, I always ask these questions or this particular question to every single guest of mine but first before i go there i want to congratulate you for all of your success on instagram um why don't you first tell the listeners or the audience where they can find you okay it's definitely on instagram so it's bwmc fitness is my tag and then i'm also on facebook and you can find me on YouTube. I have um, a personal channel, BWMC Fitness, but also the UFIT. So it's United Fitness Around the World with six of us women from all around the world. We've connected through Instagram and now we're bringing these real-time workouts. So I know with Instagram, what's great is they're fun to watch, but they're, a lot of times they're so quick, you can't follow along and be doing the workout at the same time. YouTube, we've tried to set that up where this is the next step. So we're going to walk you through the workout. So if you're looking for something like that, come check us out. We're going to be running a challenge very soon. That's going to be really exciting with some prizes. So please come find us there. Wow. That's awesome. So 